I'm comedian, writer, and filmmaker Chuck Staten from the punk band Senior Discount. And I'm writer and comedian Brad Rohr from the Providence Improv Guild. And this is the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 565 of the Chuck and Brad podcast. I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm all right. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. I'm still, you know, I'm still recovering. <clears throat> I'm, I'm less than a week out from my back surgery. As we record, yes. Yes. And uh, I'm still recovering. I still, I still feel like I should be in like a bed and like have people waiting on me and like a blanket and a martini. And like somebody and, like, fanning you yeah, with a giant someone, palm yes, leaf. Yes, yes. Yeah, I like get a, it. You know what I mean? Maybe like a, a attractive nurse, maybe one of the ones that uh, you know. Never mind, I'm not gonna talk about it. I was gonna say I just want to. I'm not gonna talk about the Jane Lynch person that yeah, I, no, I want to get come just, up and. Cl- we we closed the end of the last episode yes, we with did. that. Yes, I'm not gonna talk about her. Um, just good, checking the microphone. Good choice. Yeah, but I should be babied. I'd like to be babied at least. Oh yes, yeah, you sure do. Yes. Um, in any situation, right? Regardless of whether you're ill or not. Yes. But uh, but we're here. We're here. We're back on schedule. Yes. Sort of. Yes. Uh, in terms of podcasting. Right. Uh, episode 565. Cat <laughs> just jumped up on the table on my keys. Yep. And we're, off to, we're off to a rousing I know. Start I know. Here. My microphone is like falling and like the cat jumped in your lap. I know. Um, but yes. I, anyway, I feel like I probably should be still um, taking it easy and resting. But... We gotta we gotta make time for the tubes as well. Oh yeah, the tubies yeah. Uh, are are the reason that uh, both of us are still above ground. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> my 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 back is hurting. My leg is hurting. Uh, I got up and this, uh, you know, the, yeah, know, these chairs. I know. Whew, we'll be okay. Yes. Um, we want to start with some emails. Yeah, we have a really fun idea today. I'm very excited for this. Um, we're gonna get to our emails first. Yes. But here's the situation. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie is coming out in theaters or just came out, whatever. Just, just came out, did very well financially. I heard it did well. I heard people liked it, to be honest. I've yes. never seen the first one. Nope. Um, and I said, like, oh, what would be a fun little take on video game movies or something that we could do that would have to do with that? And I said, why don't we do A Roar You Know, which is uh, an episode of our podcast where Brad gives some facts out to me about something. We'll do A Roar You Know. Of the original live-action Super Mario Brothers movie that came out in, like, the early 90s. Um, that's kind of a fun way to acknowledge, you know, a new video, video game, game movie. movie. Yeah. And so that's what today's episode is going to be. Roar, you know, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Was it 91? Yeah, I think so. Um, where Brad's going to tell me all about the behind-the-scenes of this bizarre movie. And if you don't know that it, how bizarre it is, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, but that's going to be the, the meat of the podcast today. Um, but before that, we do have some emails. Yeah, some appetizers before the meet. You ready for this? Yes. Um, we haven't done emails in a while. Yeah. So apologies right. if uh, some of these are dated. Yes, for sure. Um, but right. here we go. Uh, dear Chuck and Brad, is- President Lincoln was just assassinated. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. All right, got an email from uh, March 12th. Zane. Yes. Hey, Chuck and Brad, hope everything is good, going well. I just listened to three quarters of episode 561 only because I haven't seen the Batman yet, so I plan to go back and finish it after I see it, so this might be a two-parter email. First thing is, I gotta say, when you talked about just blending in, Brad, I really resonated with that because for the past couple of years, all I've really been wearing is jeans, t-shirts, and a black zip-up hoodie on 
And none of those t-shirts don't even have graphics on them. They're just plain because I never want to be looked at when I'm walking around. Love it. That's what I like to hear, Zane. Two psychopaths. Yeah. I've been on a bit of a weight loss journey myself in the past couple of months, and I've been doing good. I have a lot of graphic tees in the size I used to be. So when I get to that point, I'm going to push myself not... I'm going to push myself to not wear any more plain shirts or my black hoodie. No. The next thing I wanted to say is I just re-listened to your Godzilla vs. King Kong Pitch Doctors episode and the year of Mc, uh, Dr. McFrankenstein's McMadness episode back to back. And when and when Jurassic World Dominion comes out, I think you should have Ray come on. And Chuck, you should write a sequel to your Godzilla vs. King Kong zombie zoo idea and surprise him with a reading of part two of your script. I know that's something I would definitely love to hear. I have one small idea that would probably really upset Ray and I would just love to hear his reaction to it. <laughs> so if you do go through with that idea, I think you should make it that the DNA that cloned Franklin Frankenstein came from Dr. McFrankenstein. <laughs> oh, no. Same. Yes, I got that idea from listening to those episodes back to back. I just love the idea of you bringing Ray back and having him sit through more of your zombie zoo idea and then also unloading Dr. McFrankenstein on him again. Thank you for listening to that ridiculously stupid idea and I hope you're do- do- both doing well. Thank you, Zane. Thank you, Zane. I love that idea. Wow. I'm a little less loving. We get some stuff coming up for, coming up for Ray. And I'm just going to say this here now. I think that Dr. McFrankenstein is going to make his return. His ghoulish return, I'll say. Oh, good. Uh, another email from Trent. Uh, the subject is Justice League Dark and Scythe. 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 Hey, Chuck and Brad. Hope all is well. Just wanted to make a quick recommendation, then get your thoughts on some stuff. Brad, I heard you saying you were talking, taking book recommendations from a previous pod, and I want to recommend the Scythe series by Neil Schusterman. It was a very cool, futuristic, dystopian slash utopian world, and it's just unique writing, in my opinion. I wanted to recommend it to you, or if you've already read it, what are your thoughts? I have not read it. Uh, I read a different series by Neil Schusterman. Uh, I don't know if it's called the Unbound Trilogy or, 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 or you know, Unbound Series. I think it was four books. Um and I think it was the idea that people were like grown as doubles. Oh man, what the hell was it? I'm not, I think I'm conflating two series, so I don't want to yeah. say what it was, but I definitely right. have read some Neil Schusterman books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and enjoyed them and just haven't gone back to him as an author. So, right, right, right. Um, I did finish recently the Throne of Glass series that was recommended by some Chubies. Mm. Uh, eight, you know, fantasy books. Um, yeah, se- seven novels and a collection of novellas and enjoyed those. Nice. So um, definitely I will look into the Neil Schusterman series. Now I'm so curious as to which one. Yeah. I th- oh, it was, it was people were like basically grown and harvested for organs. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, we don't like this. And they kind of fought back. I see. And, you know, it, that went on for four books. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, did you love Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Station. Um, I thought Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was crazy. Yes. It's a crazy movie. And I was, you know, I, I watched it recently for the first time with Ray at my apartment in Staten Island. And I was like, this is nuts. Um, it is weird because Ray was pointing it out. It is weird. The first one is like, Kind of a simple time travel thing. Yeah. And then this one is so bizarre yeah, they with go, the evil robots yep. and the whole thing. And it's like, how did this get to here? Um, I thought it was really, really fun and great. And I really, yeah. really liked it a lot. We'll probably have an episode where we talk about it a little bit more in depth at some point. Maybe when I watch the third one. But man, I, I really liked it a lot. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, of course. Slaughter, Winger. 
Steve Vai. Also, to both of you, I was curious what you would think about a new DC movie with the Justice League Dark roster or just a more modern standalone John, John Constantine movie. I think the tone of these new DC movies feels too dark for our heroes like Superman or Flash, but I think the tone could be spot on for a Justice League Dark movie. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Trent. Um, I don't know too much about Justice League Dark. Do you know who's in it? You no. Know who's, no, you don't know at all? No idea. Um, I do think a, a, a Constantine movie would make sense with uh, the, the dark atmosphere. But also... Constantine, like, like who's that? It was uh he I think he's the angels devils thorn in my pride, uh Keanu Reeves was in a Constantine movie right I remember that um and so it's it's there's a, there's an element of uh, demon stuff yeah and uh you know the supernatural uh, world so man really feeling uh dumb since I started this sentence what so stopping that. <laughs> I'm trying to look and see who's in just Lee dark that's what I was trying to stall for yeah yeah I'm trying to look at who's in it uh, I'm, um, I'm sure it's changed over the years yeah me too but I didn't know if it had like a main roster like the Justice League I will say uh you know we're, we're maybe setting the table for a discussion about uh tone fitting a property uh for uh, Super Mario Brothers the movie so oh yeah just uh, throwing that out there. It says it includes the dead man, John Constantine, Madame Xanadu, Shade, the changing man, and Zatanna. See, I don't know any of these characters, so I don't know. I don't know yeah. how it would be. I mean, I'm pretty open. You know, I mean, DC has definitely lost me over the years. Um, and that stinks. Uh, like, I didn't even see Justice League. Right. So, so disinterested. Um but I'm still like I'm still pretty open if a trailer looks good that they came out with that you know I haven't seen Shazam and I want to see Shazam. I liked Shazam. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people liked it. Um, so I'm pretty. So if Constantine, if, if the trailer looked good, I would go see it. I mean, you know, I'm still watching Venom and I'm, I'll go see Morbius and I know that's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I don't know what DC's doing. I, I mean, I think that Batman, the Batman, was a step in the right direction for sure. Um, but yeah, it's tough with the other characters like Flash and Superman. It is tough to continue that kind of tone. Um, so I definitely agree with that. But um, yeah, if they came out with a Justice League trailer, Justice League dark movie, if the trailer was good, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. You know, um, hold on. I have to get my phone. I dropped it because I'm a weak kitten baby. Yeah, you sure are. Uh, but that's okay. I uh, I never saw the Keanu Reeves Constantine movie. That hurt my back. Did you, did you ever see the Keanu Reeves no, Constantine? No, I never did. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know it was related to DC. Did you know that? Um, I think, you know, at some point I learned that, but I didn't know it going in. Right, I yeah. see. All right, let's see. Next email. It's from Ryan. From Ryan. All right. From Ryan. Hey, Chuck and Brad. Just wanted to know if you guys listen to Fat Mike's new podcast, Fat Mike's Fat Mike. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's a fun podcast of him interviewing people for the punk and music scene. I bring this up also because of a new band I discovered because of this loser. They are a fun ska band. They do things like cover Rainbow Road from N64 Mario Kart. Thought you might like to check it out. I reckon you would both dig it. Cheers. Ryan from Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. Um, We love Loser because it's Chris Grau's band, and Chris Grau has been a guest on the Chuck and Brad podcast. That's right. And it's it's, it's going to be, he has a song that's going to be in Clerks 3. Yes. He recently met uh, Kevin Smith and sent it in. And they're going to use one of his songs for in Clerks Three in the soundtrack. Um, Loser, and it's it's for those of you who don't know, L O U S E R uh, has some video game inspired uh, video uh, videos uh, where you know they have like real big fish playing the characters from GoldenEye and kind of going through all the game over scenes mm -hmm. uh, for the song No Hope, which is the one that's going to be in Clerks Three. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a loser shirt that's, you know, basically the, the Sega font, yeah. uh, spelling out loser. 
And uh, Chris is a great guy, and great I'm, I'm guy. glad to see him uh, getting some some musical success because he's directed ska videos for a while. Yep. Uh, I think recently he directed the video for and is a, a guest on uh, the new Bite Me Bambi song. Right. The video of which, of course, takes place inside video games. Yes. So. Right. Yes, he's a good dude. Uh, and I haven't listened to the podcast yet. I've heard about it. Yeah. I feel like when it first started, I saw something about it somewhere, and I was like, is this... I'm like, can I just get this on any podcast app? And I and it wasn't, maybe it wasn't up yet. Right. Because I, I did search for it and it didn't come up. But that was like a while ago. So maybe it just hadn't released their first episode yet. Yeah. Uh, but I'd love to listen to it. All right. New email from Chuck Mansoon. Um, <laughs> new listener. Hello, Chuck and Brad. My name is Charles. I wanted to let you know that I'm a new listener. Everyone in heaven listens to your podcast. Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be Charlie Manson or if it, or Chuck or Chuck Manson, but it says Mansoon because he's, you know, saying he's dead. Yep. Anyway, my question to you, both of you, is this. What childhood toy would you like to get the NECA treatment and get re-released? Mine would be the Cowboys of Mesa. P.S. That Brad impression is killer from Charlie M. Um, I like that the P.S. came before the sign-off. <laughs> um, Thanks, brother. Yep. I, uh... I love the, you know, the, the NECA is basically taking all the old Ninja Turtle um, designs and stuff like that and making new characters out of them, new figures that are super detailed. And that's what he's referring to. And when he says, like, you know, who, what would you like to see that's given that treatment? I'd say the Darkwing Duck figures oh, from my okay. childhood were awesome. I loved them with uh, Nega Duck and also the Electricity Rat. I don't even know his name. Um, but I love those figures and I had them all. Goslin, everybody. And I'd love to see those re-released. Do you have an answer for it? Not really. I, I I think about toys that I had in my youth. And, uh, you know, I had Transformers and I had G.I. Joe figures. And I don't feel super passionately about either property. Yeah. Um, maybe Robotech, because that, as a, as a property, still means a lot to me. I still feel an affinity for uh, Rick Hunter and yeah. Max Sterling and the gang. Yeah. Um, but also, if if we're going, you know, vaguely obscure toys like the Cowboys of Moo Mesa, <laughs> um, Wheeled Warriors was a show that was existed to sell toys. wasn't a good show. They weren't good toys. But I had one. Yeah. So I feel affection and nostalgia for it. Uh, and it was also. Uh, so I was a year ahead in in reading when I right. was when I was in grade school. And so, like, the third grade class would have to send somebody down the hall to get me to go back, you know, to my second grade class, and then we'd go down to the third grade class, and I'd be in their reading group. And, like, there was a sub, like, a long-term sub in the third grade class, and yeah. so they didn't know I was supposed to go down there for reading, and so they were like, no, get out of here, which is not a way to talk to a child. Uh, and I went back, and I was upset, and they're like, all right, you can, do, you can be in your one-person reading group here what do you want the name of your group to be? And I was like, Wheeled Warriors. <laughs> and so I was just the Wheeled Warrior for six weeks. <laughs> That's cute. It was just a, a, a like a, a toy and a cartoon I recognized and yeah, I seized right. on it. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I like that. Oh, it was so dumb. I like it. Um, you know, or Eek the Cat would be my <laughs> other one. <laughs> you would relate to Eek the Cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything spooks you. Yes. That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, thank you. Uh, definitely authentic person with a real email address. Yes, for sure. All right, next email uh, from Corey. And it, the, the subject line is turtle fever. 
Hi, Chuck and Brad. Hope you're both doing well. With the recent uptick in popularity combined with Chuck's love for the four brothers, Turtles, can we expect some kind of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles special in the near future? Where's Brad at with the Turtles? Is he on board or have a similar franchise that he's into as much as we love Turtles? Would he dress as Master Splinter if the special if the special was successful and transcended into a live event? Peace and love, Corey. Um, I'd love to do... like We did like an episode with... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, Justin Mara's other podcast. His second podcast. Not... Uh... Not what did we miss? That's that's Tony. That's Tony. No, it's called um, with geek with uh, with shades. Sh- geeking out with shades and sketch. Yes, there geeking out with shades and sketch. We were on it, and they wanted to talk about uh, the Michael Bay, the first live action movie from Ninja Turtles, yeah, as well as the actual 1989 first live action movie that first came out, or 1990. I'm not sure. We were, we were in their studio. It got so hot in that room. Oh yeah, but we did a big talk about the turtles in general. It was like two hours long. Yeah. And it was so much, it was so in-depth that I was, I asked them if we could release it on our feed as well, just because I never really got so deep into my, uh, my love of the Ninja Turtles until that episode. But like, yeah, when the new Ninja Turtles movies comes out, you know, who knows if there's going to be some kind of pitch doctors thing or, you know, right. who knows? I, you know, I, I'm going to throw this out there to you for the first time. Um, I know we, we've talked about uh, doing some streaming stuff mm-hmm. um, or, you know, some like let's let's beat a video game together yeah when the turtles collection comes out oh. if, if we were to play through that with cameras on us and, a, oh, and yeah. either a stream or or you know or a screen recording yeah uh of that i think that would be really fun yeah now in terms of dressing as master splinter he wears a very short robe <laughs> and this, i'm this getting is, older this, Corey. Is, this is a polite way of talking about how brad has long balls yes <laughs> I don't imagine it's, you with long it balls. It stopped being polite when you said long balls. I don't. I don't imagine you with long balls. I the, imagine like they're fine. They're like the a right, baby scrotum. They're the right shape. <laughs> I feel like it's like just really up, like like almost like. I mean, that's, that's the way I act like most of the time. So, um, you know, I I've dressed as a Scrooge in a in a, a nightgown. I've dressed as uh, Jigsaw. Or one yes. of Jigsaw's killers. Yes. Uh, you know, I've I've done my share of dressing up. I've dressed as all the women from the Halloween film uh, yes, on stage. Yes, so yes, right. you know, I'm not ruling out dressing as Master Splinter, but uh we'll see. But uh thank you for the uh the idea. Uh in terms of being into a franchise as much, probably not. I, I would say for me it's the Chicago Bears, which are not uh a, a cartoon or action movie uh franchise. Right. Um, but in terms of like, oh, I, I buy merchandise representing this fandom. Yes. Uh, it's, it's been that. Right. So I guess that's, that's analogous, but not the same. Right. I hear you. That's, that's where I'm at. Thank you, Corey. Good question. Oh yeah. All right. From Blake. Good afternoon, Chuck and Brad. I listened to the most recent episode where you said you caught you were all caught up on emails. I wrote the below email back in January and can only assume it hit the spam. You missed it. Or maybe you thought you would never read such trash on air. Either way, no worries. Thank you for all the laughs, Blake. So the email that he sent that we did not read says, Good afternoon, Chuck and Brad. I was pondering the other day, and I think I I cracked a fun method to pursue friends in fiction wherein different fans can write a screenplay for you both, and hopefully Ray. Uh, This method will retain some of the chaos of Stranger's version while still laying some groundwork for callbacks and fun for those more than know on the podcast. Now, what he's talking about is we we do a segment called Strangers in Fiction, where I give character descriptions of myself, Brad, and Ray Harrington, our buddy, 
uh, to a writer that doesn't know us at all, and I have him write a script about those characters using our descriptions, right? And we read the script live on air without knowing what it's going to be like. And people have written into the podcast and saying like, "Oh, I'd love to contribute to that too," but what what changes about that is they're no longer strangers. The right. idea is it's someone that doesn't know us only getting this information and writing based on the information. But if someone who listens to the podcast writes it, they're going to have a lot of their own information about myself, Brad, Ray Harrington, who's on a lot, that they're going to bring in. So we didn't know exactly how to how to work that. Right. Um, and he says, Blake says, in essence, each person will write a single piece of the screenplay, but only see the chapter just before their assigned portion. For example, say you want a screenplay in eight parts at roughly 10 pages a piece, then provide the general topic of Chuck, Brad, and Ray pull a heist. Person one starts with nothing. Person two sees only what person one wrote. Person three only sees what person two wrote and so on. So there's a lot of setups for jokes that don't come. Repetition of the same joke, sudden shifts in character and plot, etc. All while following the general heist story. If you do go forward with friends in fiction, feel free to use this idea and count me in as someone who would be happy to write one of the sections. Hoping 2022 turns out better for all of us than 2021 from Blake. Thank you, Blake. I'll have to think about it because that's kind of complicated. Yeah. It'd be a lot. Um, we have, we have to think about friends in fiction, but I'll definitely throw that into the idea pile. Of how right. I, I, I was thinking about it, uh, and the idea of like, well, writing 10 pages of screenplay feels like a lot to ask yes. uh, for someone, but I'm like, oh, if we did five, mm-hmm. then is it, is it long enough? Because you have to, in order for it to be remotely sensical, you have to like bring back these characters every five pages. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if, you know, if there's a love interest that, uh, Chuck and Brad are fighting over that ends up with Ray in the end. Yeah. If if person one writes about it and person two writes about it, but person three doesn't mention that character in their five pages or whatever, yeah, yeah, then, the then that character is gone and maybe they introduce a new love interest. Yeah, sure. Which, and, and I get it's funny. It's just hard to read through. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, well. That we'll, we'll we'll throw this idea. But there into the are pile. ideas. Yeah, like like there yeah. there's something here. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, we'll figure it um, out. Yeah, I do like the idea of us doing a heist with Ray. Oh my god, yeah. He's a perfect person to do it with. Oh, yeah. Well, I, we shouldn't tell him, though. <laughs> no, we, we no. That's, that, we're just saying we need a ride this day from this bank. Yeah. And that's our getaway driver. Yes, yes. Just uh, sit here, uh, make sure you're facing that way, and uh, step on it. All right. Uh, from Steven. Dear Chuck and Brad, uh, subject line, laundry adventure. Chuck shared his laundry adventure today. So th- th- this is the other day. I've never been to a laundromat before. Right. And the other day, I had to go to a laundromat for the first time. And so I was doing stories on Instagram, at Discount Chuck. It goes, I was wondering the following. One, if you fold your clothes as they come out of the dryer or stuff them in a bag and fold it home. Two, is the laundry place far from home? I imagine you don't wash on rainy days. Three, do you limit the amount of loads you carry to the laundry place? Less loads means more trips to the laundry place. Four, lastly, are you the type to make friends with strangers at the laundry place or like me and keep to yourself? I wonder if any love stories started at the laundry place. Your friend, Esteban. Um, <laughs> now, here's what I'll say. I'll answer those questions earnestly. I will also answer them honestly and earnestly. Uh, if it's a button-down shirt, I try to make it flat right away when I get out of a dryer. Otherwise, I don't care if I fold it right away or not. I throw them all in my laundry basket. There you go. Um, two, yes, I think about trips, but I also think that sometimes I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm more like... It wasn't two. What was number two? Is the laundry place far from home? Not far from home. Eight minutes. Uh, one mile for me, just past Chuck's house. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and for me, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I know that more laundry means less trips, and that's how I am. I'm more like let's just load up. But I think as I get older, I gotta start not being like, ah, I don't care. I can just carry sixty pounds of stuff on my shoulders. Yep. I gotta, you know, I gotta be more careful. So, um, I'll probably go more frequently than I have been. 
Mine is uh, pretty much weekly, uh, more so because I like the routine. And while my stuff is in the dryer, I take a quick jaunt down to the grocery store and get my groceries for the week as well. Nice. So I, I usually do go weekly and it's rare to go more than 10 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, what was the last one? Are you the type to make friends with strangers at the laundry place? I would, I would totally do that. Uh, I wonder if any love stories started at the laundry place. I'm sure that some have. Uh, yeah, not with us though. In 2011-ish, <laughs> when, when you were newly single yeah. at that time, there was a woman who worked at the laundromat I went to at that time yeah. that I'm like, oh, this person is not a great fit for me, but I wonder if she would be a great fit for Chuck. Wow. And, uh, and you kept her all to yourself. No, I, I asked her if she, I, I'm like, look, I know this sounds weird. Um, my friend is recently single and I think you guys might hit it off. Are you seeing anyone? And she said, yeah, I have a boyfriend. I said, oh, oh that's too wow, bad. Wow. So I did try at like in as Thank much as, as I brought it up with her. I appreciate uh, it. Making a friend with a stranger. This is, oh, this is so dumb. Um, <laughs> is because it a little it, girl? Yeah, it's a little girl. <laughs> um, I, and, and honestly, there might have been two different little girls <laughs> of course which sounds terrible one uh this little i i was reading my kindle indoors at the laundromat and this little girl climbed up on the couch next to me and she was pressing the screen and the kindle model i had at that time was not touch screen and i was like she's like are there games on it and i'm like no it's just for books and she's touching the screen she's got sticky fingers i'm like oh it's not a touch screen like you have to press these buttons to make the pages go forward and backward and she's like okay and then she was touching the screen some more and i'm like Ugh. yeah um and like her mom auntie somebody a a, a relative worked there yeah. and was not paying attention to us at all yeah and uh, the girl's like can i have a hug and I'm like, oh God, this this girl is so starved for affection that she's asking this, quite frankly, creepy stranger oh, yeah. for a hug. But I know that if the mom or whoever turns around and I'm <laughs> hugging this little girl, it's not going to go well for me. And I was like, oh no, you need so to go. You said, so you said, all right, listen, I'm going to hug you, but don't tell anybody. I'm going to hug I... you, but we have to go to my car first. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was like, I don't think I should hug you unless, uh, is that your mom? And you know, unless, unless they know about it, I, I just don't think it's a good idea. Uh, and you know, she was, uh, ambivalent or at least <laughs> You're so pro funny. projected ambivalence. You're Maybe she was crushed. Yeah, I, 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 like, I just feel bad for this girl. And oh I don't God. know if it was the same girl or not. Um, but there was one where she said, um, next Monday, we're having a birthday party for my doll. Can you come? Wow. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I got something to do that Monday. And she said, that's okay. We'll move it to Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this guy it may, it may have been the same girl. This girl's st so starved for friendship yeah. that she is willing to move her doll's birthday celebration to accommodate this, quite frankly, creepy middle-aged man. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would go into the laundromat and, and read. Um, while the wash was going on and then I go to the grocery store while it's the dryer. But then with the advent of COVID, uh, I just sit in my car and, you know, like if it's, a, if it's a Saturday morning, I'll do the crossword and, you know, be on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. For the, the half an hour stuff's in the washer. Yeah. Same thing, drive down to the grocery store for the dryer. So I'm not looking to make friends with children or adults <laughs> or otherwise uh, at the laundromat. Um, I, yeah, give me, no thanks. <laughs> Um, I, I hate having to do it. I hate having to go give up an hour and a half of my week to do it because I miss having laundry facilities inside the home. Yeah, for sure. So 
That's where I'm at. I'm sure love stories have started, uh, just not at the laundromat I go to. I think when Rachel Yet. didn't Rachel kiss Ross at the laundromat? And uh, I think got, I think it was the laundry room in their uh, in their basement of their apartment. Really? Yeah, I thought they were, so. They were fighting with somebody at the laundromat. Remember, and she was in like a, a cart. Rachel yeah. was in a cart. Yeah, I thought I thought it was the basement of their mm. apartment building, and you know they they kissed, and then he ran into the dryer door. Yeah, right. Great physical comedy. Interesting. Yep. Maybe you're right. Wow, a lot of laundry information. Yep. Good All questions. Right. Yeah, great question. Um, Mike just wrote in subject line. Finish the story. Um, email says, Dear Chuck and Brad, my husband and I love your podcast and I'm a proud Chuby. And she spelled it right. Yes. A few weeks ago, Brad mentioned a student he was in with at work and said it was a very weird story and he would tell us the details. My husband and I work in customer service and constantly deal with weirdos and we really want to hear the rest of the story. Keep up the great work, Peggy. Uh, the story has not resolved itself yet. Uh, I still don't know if it is legitimate or a prank. Right. I, I suspect legitimacy. Wow. Um, but like, you know, 55, 45 at this point. So wow. could, could still go either way. Um, the student has not, to my knowledge, officially applied to be a student. Right. Um, and so that to me is, is my, uh, you know, sticking point where like, yeah. it'll be real when I meet this student and their family for the first time. Right. Until then, it's so weird that it may just be a prank. Right. I see. I so, see. and, but other departments have gotten involved. So if it's a prank... Somebody's committed to that prank. Wow. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's nuts. So uh, I will hopefully finish the story soon, Peggy, but uh, I, I want to make sure it has an ending right. uh, where, where we have some resolution on whether or not For this sure. person actually exists. For sure. And if anyone wants to write into the podcast, you can write into chuckandbrad at gmail.com uh, or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. That's all our emails. We're all caught up. Wow. We did it. <laughs> so we haven't podcasted in a few weeks because of the spine thing. We already told that story. Yes. Um, and you know what? I'll say this. Okay. My laptop, I can't carry that much in terms of having, you know, weight. They told me I can't really carry more than 10 pounds. I took my laptop here. I wasn't careful enough to check the bag for my charger. I don't have my charger. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we want to talk about that happened over the past two weeks, but I think we're going to put that on hold. Okay. And we can do it in the future so we can get to our main subject here, which is the roar you know, Super Mario Brothers. Um but I do want to talk about one thing real quick. Okay. Um, that's already been talked about in a lot of other places, I'm sure. But I will. I do want to bring this up. The Will Smith Chris Rock slap. Great. Um, For those of you who don't know, <laughs> yeah. uh, at this year's Academy Awards ceremony, uh, Chris Rock was one of the hosts. Yeah. He made a joke referencing Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. Uh, wife of Will Smith, celebrated yes. actor, star of Independence Day, among many other projects. Yes. Will Smith was upset by this joke, yes. walked up on the stage and slapped Chris Rock in the face. Yes. And then so, walked back down and was yelling, keep, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. Yeah. And uh, this apparently set the internet on fire. Yes. And people could talk about nothing else for several days. Yeah. And then it got bumped out of the news cycle because that's the world we live in. Yes. Um. So, like, it's don't we just think that it's crazy that he did that? I absolutely think it's crazy that because some did people that. were like, like, you know what? I'm happy to see a man standing up for his wife or some crazy bullshit like that, right? Did you see some of that? I did see some of that. I I saw. Well, let's, uh, let's just put this out there. What side are the woke people on? Um, you know, they what? gotta be on Chris Rock's side. They are on both sides. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's really weird. I do think there's like a bigger conversation here. Which is that over the past couple of years, like, you know, like how people reference cancel culture and different things. Yes. 
I pe- I feel like people have elevated um comedians and whatever you say to such a level that now some people see uh, a small insult like that as being on the same line as like a physical assault, which is bananas. Yes, they do. Right? Yes. And it's insane. Yes. It's fucking crazy. Yes. Um, I'm my- like, I, you know, we all learned the little uh, sing-songy phrase of sticks and stones may yeah. break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, the other thing too is like, I'm like, you got to think of the context of what this is. I'm, I'm, and and it's it's people think that some of that stuff like the Oscars and the Emmys and the Grammys that part of it is disgusting because it's the one percenters of the world patting each other on the back for a few hours. Right. Um, and I think that the comedians that are brought in to make fun of them is almost like a necessary part of having a night like that. Right. And so for Chris Rock to come in and like be like, that's obviously his job is to make fun of all the celebrities there and to make such a simple joke um, and for that to happen. It's, it's, like, like obviously, the in, the in terms of an isolated incident, it's bad that Will Smith did that. Yeah. I think he apologized in, like, less than 24 hours. I think he took responsibility for it. I actually think Will Smith is great. I love Will Smith. Right. Um, and if he looks at it like, wow, I really fucked up. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. I think that's great for him. And for me, that's over for him. Yeah. He's like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. This is crazy. I'm going to make the changes in my life to make me a person that wouldn't do this. He's off the he's off the chopping block. Right. I, I I understand the apology. I mean, Chris Rock is the person that really has to right. decide whether or not that's okay. But for me, I'm like, okay, he had a crazy moment. But for the people who are like, no, no, I think that was okay that he did that. Those people are not off the. I'm like, I'm like, you guys are fucking insane. I I, th- I think those people, um, and I know some of them, and I love some of them. And, no, no, I yeah, like I, I'm friends with people who wow. share this opinion. Wow, Beverly uh, Bean Blossom, and uh, <laughs> I don't think she knows what the Oscars are. <laughs> um, like your mom would know about this, right? Yes. Yeah, I think the idea that people say like, "Yes, I'm glad that happened," or whatever, like Will Smith was in the right. Mm-hmm. To me, that gives me carte blanche to slap them for literally anything. Yes, right. Because it crossed a personal line for me. So exactly. if 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 Chuck exactly. if if Chuck if you express the opinion, I think it's okay that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock and then we go out for sandwiches and you order mayonnaise on your sandwich, yeah. ho ho, I'm warming up my slapping hand. Because mayonnaise is personally offensive to me. It crosses a line. Yeah. Ergo slap city yeah exactly no i think it's the same thing i mean the mayonnaise thing is is, is not the best you know, I, I know it's just for for humor's sake yes but it is a thing where like if i make a joke about brad being nerdy yep then if you think it's okay for will smith to slap chris rock then you have to think it's okay for brad, brad to slap me for making that joke about him because it crosses his personal line which right, is because, crazy well you know it's also so untrue it's also like yeah <laughs> Brad's Google thing is talking. Yeah, it knows. It is tough. I mean, the, there's some lines in there that are like, people are trying to make it like, I saw someone trying to make it like a racial thing where someone's like, oh, if you're white, you can't have an opinion on this, which is really weird because to yeah. me, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with nope. any of anyone's ethnicity, ethnicities at all. No. Nope. Um, although, if it was a white guy slapping a black guy or a black guy slapping a white guy, I think that that would be a part of it. Right. Um, but everyone in this in this scenario was... Uh, one similar race um so i don't think racism you know 
that as that it's racist to even comment on as a white person. I don't think you know the question of like, well, is he referencing the fact that she has alopecia, or is he just making a quick joke about her shaving her head? I guess you can kind of look into that. I think Chris Rock has come out and saying like, I didn't know she had alopecia, but I also think it's like, yeah, but it's like it's a physical thing that you know. Are you are you mad when people make fun of Chris Christie for being fat? Probably not. Right. You know. Um, I don't know. So I think that the idea of kind of scrutinizing little details of that, it's weird because it all comes back to like, well, the response was just too crazy. Like, let's say Chris Rock knew she had alopecia and was like, yeah, I said it anyways. And then Will Smith talked to him afterwards or something happened. Right. Or even if he stayed in his seat and said, and said something right. threatening, I think that you're in living in a different world than a physical assault. Right. Um, and so the idea of like, did Chris Rock cross a line almost... It's like I don't know if a line really can be crossed that can be public be publicly said on ABC at eight, eight p.m. with words that deserves a slap in the face. Right. That you know what I mean? I don't think it's it's like you, if you want to talk about that side of it, you can go down that road a little bit. But I think no matter what, at the end of that road, you're going to come to the fact, yeah, but you can't slap someone in the face for it. Right. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah, it's really crazy. But I think the cancel culture stuff has made it so that like and people are like it's not cancel culture it's consequence culture they do say that um this like falls into that almost to me where the idea of like basically if you say something offensive and we don't like it you deserve blank 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 whether it's to lose your job to lose this to lose this to lose this or to get slapped in the face it seems like the same thing to me and people you know i remember when people were quoting dave Chappelle's um stand-up special and they were quoting it. Like Dave Chappelle said this in his stand-up special. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you allowed to take someone's stand-up special and ba- basically be like, so yeah, this was a press conference of someone's feelings. Yeah. That's almost to me, it's like taking South Park and being like, well, Trey Parker feels this way. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Trey Parker was making comedy and making art out of the comedy. This doesn't have to be exactly how you feel. This, is, it, In fact, it's almost for sure not 100% how you feel. Right. Because you have to put it in the context of comedy. And people are already trying to take jokes and com- comedians and comedy and make it like it's the same thing as like, I, here's me putting my my feelings out there 100%. Here's right. who I am. Here's, And it's like, no, if there's a comedian on stage and they're paid to be funny, you have to take what they're saying as a joke. Yeah. And that's the context of this and so many other things that have been called upon um, against people. And I think that, yeah, it makes it so that like we're kind of equating words you don't like with physical violence right and you cannot do that it's crazy um like i said for me will smith if if he's like the next day he's like i'm so sorry that was crazy i shouldn't have done it i'm gonna make changes in my life like that's great i think that's awesome i think that that's the way he should look at it but there's so many people out there where i'm like oh you disgust me that you think that this was okay it's awful it's crazy and i still don't get it like people try have tried to explain it but i still don't understand it right i'm like so do you think that like your question about like, can anyone slap anyone else that says a joke that's too mean? Is that okay? It doesn't even have to be a joke. Just has to cross a line. <laughs> yeah, An imaginary, exactly. yeah. not yet defined line. Exactly. You know, if, if, uh, if we'll Especially sp- in a comedy context. Yeah, yeah, we're talking if, about if, someone if, being on stage, being a comedian. You know, if the story behind this was that Will Smith pulled Chris Rock aside, you know, the day before and was like, hey, right. make any joke you want, but please don't mention my wife's alopecia. Yeah, right. Like, please- uh, don't do that. And Chris Rock agreed to it. 
and then Chris Rock did it and he, and he got slapped. Okay. Maybe I can, I can get behind that a little bit more, but that isn't the case. No, not at all. So yeah, no, it's really gross. Um, I know everyone's talked about it already, so no one cares about our opinion, but I just, I just found it so strange that some people were for it. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. It's it's weird because it's like, oh man, it's just it's so clearly in the context of being a comedian, and so clearly in the context of what he's being hired to do at the Oscars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, very weird. I funny because I haven't really looked into Will Smith's relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith. I've seen all those things come up over the years that are yeah. like, look at Will Smith saying this, and look at her saying this, and she had this, and I was like, I was like, I don't really care about this. Yeah. But I looked into it because all the news stories were linking to it. And the relationship seems like gross and sad to me. Seems bizarre to me. Yeah, but it's not yeah. my relationship. Did you watch the interview where she talks about cheating on Will Smith? Yes. With him? Yes. Isn't it so weird? Very weird. I was like, and he's like, I'm gonna get you back. She's like, it's not like that. It was an entanglement. Like the whole thing was so like gross and uncomfortable. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I I think this is more evidence that that relationship is really unhealthy and weird than it is evidence. That like, or then that it is that Chris Rock went over a line. I yeah. think it's more evidence that that relationship is like gross and frightening behind the scenes. And Will Smith has said he's not going to be part of the Academy anymore. Does that mean that he doesn't go to the Oscars? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think the Academy <laughs> said that he's not going to be there anymore for like ten years. Wow. Yeah. Will Smith is great. He's just a great talent. I think he's a great actor in terms of like blockbuster comedy stuff, yeah. and, and you know, like Oscar winning drama. For sure. He's, yeah. he's awesome. Will Smith is awesome. This is like an unfortunate moment in his life. Right. Um, and for me, I wouldn't go to the point where I'm like, I'll never support Will Smith again because I don't believe in like canceling people. Right. Um, I, I, I especially believe in change. And when people, when someone's like, Hey, this thing happened, I made the wrong decision. I didn't realize this or whatever. Or I didn't realize at the time or it wasn't in my, my right mind or whatever. And I want to change and I, I'm not gonna let that happen again. Those are the people that you want to keep, yeah. not the people you want to push out. So I'm in full support of Will Smith after the apology. And uh, it's just sad. I can't wait for Chris Rock to talk about it. I was really sad when I was in the hospital and I couldn't go see Chris Rock in Boston where I had tickets for him. Right. Because um, I thought he would talk about it, but he ended up not talking about it. Right. Because he had a specific set already to run. But uh, yeah, just a crazy situation. And I, I, it's just, it's, the people's reactions have been so bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, but all right. So on to the main course. Whew. Today we got Roar You Know, Super Mario Brothers. Brad's going to go into the history of the live action Super Mario Brothers movie that came out oh so many years ago because the new Sonic movie's out. So we're doing this. Yes. Um, we're very, really reaching. No, I don't think so. It is perfect. It. Yeah, it feels, like, um, feels but, like a reach. No, it's not a reach. So, you know, the Mario Brothers, was this, what year was it? 91? 93. 93. So by that point in time, the first three Mario Brothers games had come out. Or for the first, Actually, first four. Four, yeah. Super Mario World had come out just before this. Okay. So all those movies have come out. I mean, those games have come out. So you have the character of Mario and Peach and Luigi and Yoshi and Bowser and all these different characters. And they said, let's take this, you know, this cast and this world to the live action stage. And they made this live action Mario Brothers movie. And it is so fucking bizarre. Yes. Everything is bizarre. King Koopa is a weird guy with spiky yellow hair. It's Dennis Hopper. In played fact. by Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Um, you know, like Toad is like, I think he's a mushroom that's all over the city. Or is that Peach's dad? Princess Peach's dad? Uh, there's a sentient fungus. Yeah, the uh, sentient plays fungus. plays a, a large uh, role. Toad, I think, is uh, Mojo Nixon. Oh, okay. The uh, guitarist. 
Uh, and he has like sentient fungus on his face. So that's, okay. that's how we reference Toad. But everything is weird. They're living in a place called like Dinotopia or something. Dino Hatton. Dino Hatton, where everyone evolved. Instead of evolving from monkeys, people evolved from dinosaurs. Yes. And the Goombas, who in the traditional Mario look like little mushrooms with feet, in this are like seven feet tall guys with wicked tiny lizard heads. Yes. Everything was bizarre in this yeah, movie. that doesn't sound so none of it, None of it fit into the Mario Brothers game at no, all. No. And it's a, it's like a conundrum that is that many people have, have wondered about. And Brad, you're going to tell me how this movie got made. Sure. Um, well, it starts with uh, the, the rights to the Mario characters. Uh, obviously, movie studios are like, wow, this is, this is super popular. The Wizard had come out in 1989. And ah, was, The Wizard, I love. Yeah, Fred Savage, uh, Jenny Lewis, somebody else. Right. Uh, basically, a long commercial for Nintendo where these kids are, are on a road trip. Yes. To, uh, to go like to the Nintendo World Championships. And the yes. little brother is so good at Nintendo games. And right. This jerky guy has the power glove and blah, blah, right. blah. So Nintendo is like, okay, we can make movies. Right. And uh, so all the studios are like, hey, Nintendo, can we please license the Mario characters to make a Mario movie? Right. And they're all bidding against each other and tens of millions of dollars in, you know, the early 90s. And uh, this little studio, uh, you know, came by and they had done basically one movie by that point. Uh, and it was not a, like a critically or no, they, they had done uh, like serious movies. Oh. Uh, and they were like we'd like the rights. We want it to be a, a grown up, like a dark story, uh, more so than like a bright kids movie. We want it to appeal to kids and adults. So we want kind of like the Ninja Turtles movie in 1990 yes. or whatever. Yes. Uh, we'd, we'd like it to be a little, uh, a little darker than other studios are pitching it. Uh, but we can only pay like $500,000 for the rights which was significantly less than yeah. what they could have gotten from everyone else. And it went back and forth. And, and so the, you know, there was a, a guy, I think he was stateside that worked for Nintendo of America, kind of on, on their side of, of things who said, you know what? I'm intrigued by your pitch. I need to go tell it to my bosses at Nintendo in Japan. So he went back and explained to them like, Hey, there's this idea. This is what they're thinking. Uh, we think it'll work. And uh, the Nintendo bosses said, you know what? Our Mario characters are so entrenched that whatever we is done cannot hurt the brand of Mario because it's so like it's if, if a movie comes out and it fails, <clears throat> we still have these games that are selling, you know, many, many copies. And uh, and so then they said. Uh, you know, another, another another round of meetings, and it was like, if Nintendo can keep the merchandising rights for toys affiliated with the Mario Brothers movie, then for $2 million, this studio can buy the rights instead of the tens of millions of dollars they could have gotten from other studios. And uh, that was it. $2 million to these filmmakers with uh, experience making more serious films and uh, not to places that are family friendly. So they send out a script. They want the the dark tone of Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, okay, Batman uh, too. That, that and, also makes sense. And the Ninja Turtles, right? Um, and <laughs> it gets very confusing trying to track down who wrote which draft of the script because so many different people were involved. Uh, at one point, the guy who wrote Rain Man, I think, oh, was asked wow. to take the first the first pass of the script. And he wrote it, and it was like a road trip movie focusing on the relationship between two brothers, one of whom was not 
socially aware. <laughs> and so like the joke was that they called it Drain Man <laughs> because they're plumbers. That's funny. So that's hilarious. Yeah. So it, it went, uh, it went on like that. Um, let's see here. Uh, screenwriter, Barry Morrow, um, more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy. So then they brought in uh, two screenwriters called Jim Genowayne and Tom S. Parker to write a more traditional adaptation. They want a world, they want it to be like the world of Oz, uh, the wizard of Oz, where it's these characters go into this mythical land and they're there to solve a problem and then come back. But they wanted to subvert fairy tale. I'm reading from Wikipedia here, right. subvert fairy tale cliches and satirize them and focus on the relationship between Mario and Luigi. Uh, and the screenwriter was like, we did what Shrek did before Shrek did it. The idea of making fun of fairy tales. Oh, interesting. That's funny. I don't know that that made it through to the shooting script. Hmm. Uh, through line had to be about brothers. So they brought in Greg Beeman, who had directed the movie License to Drive. Uh, and he was going to direct, was already in pre-production, but he had made a movie called Mom and Dad Save the World, like a, a weird, fun sci-fi comedy that yep. didn't do well. Yeah, I remember it. So he was kicked off. Uh, they offered Harold Ramis the director position. Wow. He declined. Wow. Danny DeVito was in talks to star as Mario and direct at one point. Wow. He didn't do it. Um, I would so, love that. Yeah. So uh, so then they were like, hey, remember Max Headroom of the BBC weird CG character from the 80s? Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, of course. Of course we remember Max Headroom. Uh they're like, how about we get his creators and directors to do this whole Mario Brothers adaptation? And everyone's like, yes, this makes sense. <laughs> so um, they they said they, you know, they, they directed it, but they had never done like a big budget right. thing before. And right. while some people that, that works for, the Russos in particular, yep. uh, that did not work in the case of this Mario Brothers, um, they worked on some more than another boy. I, I know another duo worked on the script, um, but I don't remember who it was. Our, our take on it was that Nintendo interpreted the events from our story and came up with a video game. We basically worked backwards. And I think that was like the third, yeah, the third group of screenwriters taking a pass at that script. Interesting. Um, Parallel dimension, uh, basically the idea, and the movie starts with uh, the meteor that strikes the earth, mm -hmm. that wipes out the dinosaurs, also created a parallel dimension. Oh, yeah. Identical to ours that, uh, you know, where, where we talk about like the, the humans evolved from dinosaurs. Right. And at one point, Bowser like gets the portal open and he sees Manhattan. And so he builds Dinohattan based on his vision of manhattan oh, okay like the production designer had worked on blade runner yeah, and yeah. alien three yeah and then did mario brothers yep yep um they they said uh they wanted to make a movie like ghostbusters and uh it failed uh <laughs> so they were working with the directors uh and then those screenwriters were like nope you're they're, you're too funny get out of here we're gonna bring in another writing team dick clement and ian lafrenay to bring a more adult and feminist tone. So they added, like, you know, they made Daisy a stronger, uh, like, female character. They brought in some more female characters. Uh, and then they finally signed Bob Hoskins, who had starred in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, to play Mario. 
And, uh, you know, different things have said, like, basically it was physical typecasting where, like, he looked like Mario. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, even though he's he's not an Italian man. And they're like, oh, who do we want to play off Bob Hoskins? We want John Leguizamo, who was basically, like, doing stand-up and sketch comedy, uh, a, a nascent movie career, but they wanted him to play Luigi. And, uh, and that was where they started it. Somehow, Dennis Hopper agreed to one of these scripts. Yeah, yeah. Not the one they ended up shooting. Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, producers feared the project had skewed too far from the intended young adult slash family audience and had become too effects heavy to film within budgets. So without informing the directors, these Max Headroom people, they hired new screenwriters, Ed Solomon and Ryan Rowe to provide a more family friendly script with more restrained effects requirements. Wow. This was partially motivated by Disney purchasing the film's distribution rights. The cast only discovered the new screenplay upon arriving wow. on set. So the idea of firing the screenwriters and not telling the directors and then also not telling the actors wow. that the script changed, you know, I, I question it. So the directors said they considered leaving the project, but decided to stay after talking it over and realizing that no other director could at that point come on and understand the material enough to properly adapt it. They also feel they owed it to the cast and crew to reclaim their vision. Wow. So they basically, the actors said like they would get new pages multiple times a day. Like, this is what we're going to shoot today. This is what we're going to shoot today. And it kept changing. And so Bob Hoskins he is like, uh, we would just get drunk. He's like, Leguizamo and I were drunk like the whole time. What? Wow. Uh, we would just, uh, and Leguizamo was like, yeah, we got through it with uh, the, the actress who played, I think it was Samantha, who had played uh, Daisy uh, and Bob and Bob Scotch. Wow. And they, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, two screenwriters went back to Wilmington where they were rehired, did final rewrites, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, kind of the idea of going through like six or seven different screenwriters, yeah. all these different directors, all these different producers. And then you have designed sets Right. For a movie that is tonally different yes. from what you're going to make, <clears throat> but you can't you can't strike all the sets. Right. You have to film it. Uh, filming was supposed to take be done in six weeks. It took between fifteen and seventeen, mm -hmm. which is not awesome. Yep. Um. So, yeah. Uh, the tone of the, the after Disney bought it, the tone of the script was not compatible with the sets, which had already been built. Leguizamo said, "It's eight year olds who play the game, and that's where the movie needed to be aimed." But the directors kept trying to insert new material. They shot scenes with strippers and other sexually explicit content, which all got edited out. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, I would have seen that." Um, the producers, or, I'm sorry, the directors would like tell the DP and the cinematographer like what aperture to shoot at, and were really like not great to work for. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, kind of blacklisted for a while. Um, one of the directors said I was locked out of the editing room. I had to get the director's guild of America to come help me get back into the editing room. I tried to get the editor to cut it digitally, but they refused. They wanted to edit on these old machines. So it was slow, which didn't help us get the special effects cut in time. Wow. Now the effects for the time were, relatively groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, it was like they used a certain program, uh, light room or light something, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of an industry standard now to like morph and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. things. Um, but Jurassic park came out two weeks after this. Oh, so, wow. So any advances that were made yeah. in, uh, in, in 
special effects were immediately <laughs> erased two yeah. weeks later. Um, creatures effects, blah, blah, blah. That's crazy um, that it came around, around the time of Jurassic Park because yeah. that is like, it's the same draw. Yes. The dinosaur stuff. Yep. You know? Um, so the lead creatures designer and supervisor, Patrick Tatupoulos, was aware of the concurrent Jurassic Park production, so consciously designed the dinosaurs for Super Mario Brothers to be more cute and cartoon-like with inspiration from Beetlejuice. And you can see it in Yoshi. Like, Yoshi is a cute dinosaur in this film. Yeah. He's barely, he's like in it for like two seconds. Yeah, right? he's not in it. Like, he helps uh, Daisy escape from yeah. uh, the, one of the... the um, you know, bad dino prisons. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, famously the, uh, boots that, yeah. uh, Mario and Luigi wear were reused in the movie face off yep. of Chuck's yep. favorite fun facts. Yep. But did you know that the, uh, they, they filmed it in an old concrete factory in North Carolina, which was later used as the factory in T2 Judgment Day. Oh, wow. No, I didn't Arnold know that. Schwarzenegger gave the thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I love that. Um, now, the plot of the film, for those of you who don't know, I'm just reading this straight from Wikipedia. Yep. 65 million years ago, a meteorite crashes into the Earth, killing the dinosaurs and splitting the universe into two parallel dimensions. The surviving dinosaurs cross into a new dimension, <clears throat> excuse me, evolving into a humanoid race and founding the city of Dinohattan. 20 years ago, a mysterious woman leaves a large egg along with a rock at a Catholic orphanage. As she attempts departure, President Koopa accosts her, demanding the rock's location. Rocks then fall onto the woman, killing her. The egg hatches, containing an infant girl. Wow. In the present, two Italian-American plumber brothers, Mario and Luigi Mario, that's right, their names are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, yep. live in Brooklyn, New York, close to being driven out of the business by the mafia-operated Scapelli Construction Company led by Anthony Scapelli. Luigi falls for NYU student Daisy, who is digging under the Brooklyn Bridge for dinosaur bones. After a date, Daisy returns Luigi to the bridge and witnesses two of Scapelli's men sabotaging it by leaving the water pipes open. Mario and Luigi fix it, but Iggy and Spike, Koopa's henchmen and cousins, mm. knock them unconscious and kidnap Daisy. Upon awakening, the brothers pursue them through an interdimensional portal to Dino Hatton. <clears throat> You're on board? I'm on board. Okay. Iggy and Spike realize they forgot Daisy's rock, a meteorite fragment which Koopa wants to obtain to merge his world with the human world. Daisy turns out to be the long-lost princess of the other dimension. When Koopa overthrew Daisy's father as king and devolved him into fungus, her mother, the queen, took her to Brooklyn. The portal was then sealed, but Scapelli's men inadvertently reopened the portal when they blasted the cave. Koopa sends his cousins to find Daisy and the rock to merge the dimensions and make him dictator of both worlds. However, after Koopa subjects them to an experiment to increase their intelligence, they realize Koopa's evil intentions and side with the Mario brothers. Daisy is taken to Koopa Tower, where she meets Yoshi. Koopa informs Daisy that she descended from the dinosaurs, believing only she can merge the worlds because of her royal heritage. The Mario Brothers rescue Daisy, aided by Toad, a good-natured guitarist devolved into a Goomba, a semi-humanoid dinosaur, as punishment for a protest. So weird. Koopa's wife, Lena, merges the two worlds, although the meteorite's energy kills her. Koopa devolves Scapelli into a chimpanzee before going off after Mario, but Luigi and Daisy remove the fragment from the meteorite and the worlds separate again. In Dino Hatton, Mario and Luigi fire de-evolution guns at Koopa and blast him with a ba-bomb. I, re I remember the de-evolution stuff. Yeah. 
We'll get back to that. Koopa, now a ferocious semi-humanoid Tyrannosaurus, attempts to kill the Mario brothers, who permanently destroy him by devolving him into an actual Tyrannosaurus Rex, then primeval slime. Daisy's father is restored as king, and the citizens celebrate and immediately destroy anything with Koopa's likeness. Luigi professes his love for Daisy and wants her to come to Brooklyn with him. But Daisy, having found both her home and father, decides to stay in Dinohattan. Crestfallen, Luigi kisses Daisy goodbye as he and Mario return home to Brooklyn. Three weeks later, the Mario brothers are getting ready for dinner when their story comes on the news and the anchorman says they should be called the Super Mario Brothers. Daisy then arrives and asks the Mario brothers to help her on a new mission. In a post-credit scene, two Japanese business executives propose making a video game based on Iggy and Spike, now on Earth, to be named the Super Koopa Cousins. <laughs> that's I don't remember that. That's, that's funny. That's a, that's a great end. Yeah. Now the de-evolution gun. I know what yes. you're thinking. I'm sure it looked cool. No, you're wrong. It was a Super Scope Six. Yes, you're just right. repainted. Now yes. Super Scope Six. For those of you who don't know, yes, uh, was a light gun for the Super Nintendo that yes. looked, uh, you know, kind of like a bazooka in the sense that it was shoulder mounted. Yes. Uh, I only know one person in my life that had one. Woo! And he is sitting across the table from yeah, me. Yeah, I love a Super Scope. When was the last time you played with your Super Scope set? Well, I haven't had a Super Nintendo, and I haven't had, like, you can't really use it with anything else. Uh, you, you have had, to have an actual Super you, Nintendo. You had a, a version of the Super Scope 6 for the Nintendo Wii. Is that correct? No. You beat Yoshi. Yeah, so I had to, I had to, I could take the Super Scope games and yes. I can play them on the Wii with yes. the Wiimotes. But I have been able to actually use the Super Scope oh, okay. 6 in years. Yeah, you were the only one I know who had one. I, I, I had one, and I can picture every part of it, but my, my Super Nintendo like disappeared from my life, and I don't know what happened to it, like years and years and years ago. Um, I always thought it was in like it was in storage or something, and we never were able to find it. Um, but yeah, man, I love the Super Scope. I mean, I loved the game. Was it Yoshi's? It wasn't Yoshi's Island. It was Yoshi's Safari. Yes. And I played that game with it, which I love. It's, uh, I'm trying to find Bob Hoskins quote about the film. Yeah. Uh, because he did not enjoy filming it. Yeah. Yeah. He said it was the only regret of his career. Dennis Hopper said it was the only regret of his career. Really? Um, the guy who wrote Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was one of the writers on it, but uh, honestly, there were like nine writers. Um, they, uh, the directors, here we go. The directors became obsessed with Minutia. Uh, producer Joffe <laughs> recalls finding the directors and cast locked in a script meeting in the middle of shooting in, in the middle of shooting over a scene that was just 11 lines long. I had to jolly everyone back on set. It was like being a schoolmaster. Wow. Um, Morton, the director, remembers both the directors being hauled into the producer's trailer on a nightly basis. We were told we were going to be fired. We were doing a terrible job. Every night we were told this. We were told we were behind, spending too much money. The budget was hemorrhaging and the whole thing was a disaster. Wow. Uh, here we go. Hoskins, gruff cockney and never one to suffer fools gladly, was particularly aggrieved by the director's behavior. The worst thing I ever did? Super Mario Brothers, he claimed years later. It was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. After so many weeks, their own agent told them to get off the set. Fucking nightmare. Wow. Fucking idiots. (laughs) Wow. So, uh, that's not good that's crazy yeah um and it's weird because like and then that's kind of you know like basically every article i read and and the 20 minute video i watched very similar yeah uh kind of the story was too many writers too many producers too much studio involvement there were there were uh, you know too many chefs yeah adding what they wanted to this chili of a movie right 
And some people wanted some really weird jelly. Yeah. So did they, is there anything that ever explained the, the odd choices like the Goombas and stuff like that? That was uh, that basically the Goomba character, a, a producer somewhere along the line liked it. And the script was rewritten to feature them more prominently. But like scenes had already been like blocked and wow. lit. And they're like, no, we need more Goombas. Wow. Uh, but as far as the choice of like making them seven feet tall with a little head. Yeah. Not really explained. <laughs> That's because that's the stuff that's most interesting to me is these changes that were so needless. You know what I mean? They were so like all they did was serve to make the whole thing more uh, like muddled and strange and unrecognizable. It uh, it's something else. I saw it, you know, sometime probably in college. Yeah. So old enough to like be, you know, be distanced, distanced from it. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is so weird. And like, I was mad yeah. as like a 20 year old man. Like this isn't Mario brothers. I think, I think I've told you this before, but like I always had a thing as a kid where I was so stupid and I thought everything like basically the word that I would use now is I thought everything was always canon. Yeah. Like when I watch turtles, when I watch Mario when I watch everything, like as an adult, I'll be, I'll can look at it and be like, well, they had the, the rights for this. And so they made this TV show. And these people had the rights to the movie, so they made this movie. And they're different because they're just different projects. And they're not part of each other. Right. But for me, when Super Mario Brothers, the movie came out, I was in my head. I'm like, this is what the video games have, were supposed to represent. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just had this idea that, like, they were only doing stuff that was exactly well, what it was supposed to be. Well, the said, like, our, our idea was that we made a prequel to the world of the games. And that explains why Bowser slash King Koopa is the way he is. Hmm. No idea why the Goombas are, you know, two feet tall. Yeah. Uh, but the, that's that's why plumbers are the ones doing the these uh, rescue missions. Right. Like, it Yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so when I saw it, I was like, I thought, like, this is what the games are supposed to be when I was young. That's how I felt about yeah. it. You know, that's what I thought. Um but yeah, I mean, it is a hard, I mean, it is a, I don't know. They're making what, like a CG Mario movie? Yeah, uh, uh, the Illumination Entertainment, whoever yeah. makes the Minions movies <laughs> yeah. is making a Mario movie and Chris Pratt is voicing Mario. Yeah, that's right. I know. Yeah. And and Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Yes. Which is interesting. Um, anything else or no? No, that's that's most of the stuff. I wanted to talk just briefly about video game movies in general. How, how did it do at the box office? It uh, flopped. It uh, The yeah. budget was between like like high 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this is in 1992 dollars. Yeah. Uh, and it made $20 million. Oh, I see. Yeah. So huge flop. Yeah. They had to resell the shoes to face off. <laughs> yeah, right. Try and make some of that money back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and so the idea of video game movies over the years. Yeah, Doom. Doom was one. And a ton of them have been made. Oh, yeah. Uh, just in a Resident Evil franchise alone. Oh, yeah, Resident Evil. Yeah, that's a But one. I feel like Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Was like, I enjoyed that movie, but I know very little about Pokemon. I didn't I, see I, it. I think there are, I, and, and the video you said, said there are like 27 Pokemon movies. Wow. All animated. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the idea of a live action video game movie like Detective Pikachu, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know how faithful it is to right. you know, the world of Pokemon. Right. Uh, I liked the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider movie. I thought it was okay. I didn't see any of the Tomb Raiders. I liked the Angelina, the first Angelina Jolene one, Jolie one, because you know, as a as a kid. Oh know, my god, that was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, 
But I'm like, man, I like really there've been a lot of stinkers. Oh yeah. Well, video game movies for a long time, it was like the thing you can't really do well. Right. That's how they looked at it. I feel like something broke that though. That was really good. I forgot what it was, but people are saying Uncharted is not good, right? Right. People are saying that. We I, have not I, seen didn't, it. I didn't see Uncharted yet. Um, I, you know, Sonic, the first Sonic movie did well and mm-hmm. the second one is, is doing better than the first one. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there's a formula there. I think that there is some video game movie that did great that like was like, oh, this proves they can do it. By the way, some of the people involved with at least the first draft of um, the Mario Brothers movie had done the movie Stay Tuned, where mm-hmm. John Ritter and whoever played his wife got sucked into the world of TV, but it was like a hell TV. Oh, yeah. And so instead of Wayne's World, they were on Dwayne's Underworld. <laughs> And, you know, they were animated and they, they were the mice and they kept getting almost caught by the cat and blah, blah, mm. blah. And they basically had to survive a certain amount of time in this weird television thing. Right. And it was, you know, to learn a lesson to not watch TV all the time. Right. Um, um, Mortal Kombat. More, uh, yeah. And also Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Assassin's Creed. Uh, Assassin's Creed, nobody liked. They said it took itself too seriously. Warcraft, you said it was great. I did not say that. <laughs> I will I will throw a fireball at you. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, yeah, Resident Evil, Hitman, Silent Hill. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of House of the Dead. Not great movies that you're listing here. Yeah, not mo- know. you know what I shouldn't say that. Movies that uh, didn't land with me. Rampage. Didn't I never saw it. that. Didn't I want to see it. it. I don't. Max Payne. Uh yeah, I saw that and uh PG it got PG 13ified. Yep. Uh Double Dragon. I never, I didn't even know that existed. It was like a mid-90s weirdo movie. Okay. I guess it was a Far Cry movie in 2008. I didn't even know that. Maybe. Could we, uh, we, all right, so if if a studio approached us and said, Chuck, Brad, Mario we, we want to make a Double Dragon movie starring the two of you. Oh, yeah. But you have to write the script. I would love to do that. First of all, big boss at the end, Ray Harrington. <laughs> the big bad? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, we'd be a great Double Dragon. Or, or, or is he is he the uh, a, a Bobo guy? What's that? Like, like you know, the big guy that you fight throughout, you know, he's got no shirt, big bald head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do we fight Ray many times throughout, like, just yeah. different versions of Ray? <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Um, oh, we messed up the stunt again, Ray. Sorry, we accidentally kicked you. That's funny. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers is such a crazy project. Uh, I'd love to, I wish there was, like, someone on the set who was like, I'm going to make a documentary about what happened and interview everybody and yeah. say like, and just directly ask well, them right, why so these weird chases I'll, I'll were made. I'll say this. I, uh, there, uh, which article was it? There was, um, like people appreciated this movie, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And, oh, is it in the Atlantic? There, like there's a, a website mm-hmm. that got extra footage from like that that got cut mm. and they reassembled it and like had to take it from a vhs and try to upscale it oh yeah 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 i heard about this um and they did it in like 2018 yeah i heard about this yes um oh man i i uh I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, I know. I saw, I saw that. It was like Super Mario Brothers, like it was like uh, extended cut or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, I'll say you sent what, me what was in the extended you cut. Sent, you sent me five links, yeah. and uh, three of them didn't work. Well, I mean, it's just the Google thing. You just take yeah. out the stuff after the Google garbage at the end of it. All right. Well, um, no, it was like file not found, and I searched uh, Grantland for Mario Brothers, and it was didn't, really didn't find it. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, the extended cut thing, though, what was what was in that? Um, 
some of the uh, more, I, I say adults content, but like, you know, extra sexy dancers and then like a different, um, you know, a couple different scenes uh, yeah. that extended like, oh, this, this informed this character later doing this. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Grantland. I, I just got rid of the Google garbage and it came right up. All right. It did not for me. Well, did you get rid of the Google garbage? I searched Mario Bros. It says, it says, well, you might have had to put a period at the end of bros. Maybe. Ah, maybe that's it. You know what I mean? It says to Hollywood Arcology, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I mean, I, I love the idea of here's a thing and it's popular and we got to make another thing out of it because I think that that journey as like a creator is interesting, whether it's Sonic games to the Sonic movies or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's video games are real tough. Here we go. Uh, this is from denofgeek.com. Um, the Morton Jankel cut. Morton Jankel were mm. the directors, the Max Headroom people. Yeah. A new extended version of the original Super Mario Brothers film sees the runtime jump from 104 minutes to 125. Mm. What makes this new cut more unique, however, is that it's the work of diehard fans over at the Super Mario Brothers Movie Archive, a stunningly impressive website that explores the troubled production process and finished film in brilliant detail. Wow. Um... Let me see here. Wow, I never I never heard about that website. They were approaching it from a subversive, deconstructive angle. They didn't want it to be a typical damsel in distress movie. Blah, blah, blah. Cult following. Uh, this work print was bought via eBay auction. We believe it came out of the producer storage locker. Uh, Light Motive was the name of the company, by the way. Um, recruit filmmaker Garrett Gilchrist to restore the footage. And all right, weaving in a subplot that sees Mario Brothers clashing with rival mafia-linked plumber siblings, the Scapelli brothers. Oh yeah, it also solves some of the mysteries left behind by the heavily edited theatrical cut. In one scene, in one scene, for instance, a pile of slime is visible on the floor yet never explained. This cut provides the answer in the form of a sequence in which one of King Koopa's henchmen is reduced to the aforementioned pile of goo. Mm. And I did, re I do remember reading it's because he sneezed, so he got you know dissolved. <laughs> That's the funny. other notable addition is a rap performed by Iggy and Spike that served as the backbone of a discarded subplot that could have paved the way for a sequel. In there, uh, in the theatrical cut, there's a brief moment where Lena, played by Fiona Shaw, says, Iggy and Spike were preaching against you in the Boom Boom Bar, and for years we were like, what are they talking about? We long suspected there was a rap there, and even interviewed Richard Edson, who played Spike. He confirmed he and Fisher Stevens wrote the rap, so we knew there was some kind of footage of it. Um, wow. That's really weird. This newly restored rap rest represented the culmination of the forgotten plot point in which Mario and Luigi had Koopa's two henchmen questioning whether they were truly living in a democracy under their lizard overlord <laughs> boss. While the characters disappear from the theatrical cut, this version sees them ruminating on the demise of Koopa at the end of the film and plotting to overthrow the monarchy under Princess Daisy in a clear hook for a potential sequel. Wow. Um, Iggy and Spike, <clears throat> you know, I talked about Bob Hoskins getting drunk all the time. They're like, the, these two guys, uh, Fisher Stevens... And uh, Edsel, Richard Edsel, yeah, Richard Ebson, Edson, um, were like, we're just gonna ad lib everything, and that was kind of what they did as wow. Iggy and Spike. Yeah, those characters I remember being really strange, yeah, really strange. You know what? Uh, it's like, uh, is it Hocus Pocus where the guy has ice shaved in the back of his head? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bully. Like, that, that's what they read to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's kind of a mid 90s, like, these guys are villains, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Ultimately, their hope is that this new cut of Super Mario Brothers will spark renewed interest in a re-release of the movie. But while new versions have been forthcoming overseas, he doesn't hope, hold that much hope for a U.S. release or any kind of definitive edition since the rights to the film are scattered across multiple companies. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm going to say bring him into the MCU. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> that's a similar thing with uh, GoldenEye. Yes. But I think GoldenEye is coming out. Yes. Because I think they're going to put it on Switch and they're going to put it on Xbox. Yeah. But, well, that's really interesting. I mean... It's 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 seriously like one of the biggest question marks for me is this the the like how could all of this change so much and how could that seem like the right way to go? You know I, what I mean? It's, it's weird to me, like the idea of it's not just a bad movie, right? It's just they added so much weird stuff to it that doesn't exist. I, I think about movies that have you know filmed scenes that explain something else taken out. Mm-hmm. Example one: The Wizard of Oz. Um, the wicked witch says like, I've sent a little bug ahead to take the fight out of them or something. And there's a whole like song and dance scene where like they have to jitterbug or they sing a song called the jitterbug or something. And that's cut out of the finished film. Yeah. And so you're like, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really think about it. The Scooby-Doo film that came out in the late nineties, early two thousands, Sarah mm-hmm. Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince. Um, there's a scene where like Shaggy and Scooby enter and everyone's applauding, but you don't know what they're applauding for. And it's because like, you know, Fred and Daphne had just done a big thing or he had given this big speech and everyone was applauding that, but they cut out the speech. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea, I, I, I guess I just get frustrated at the idea of ruining what's there. Oh, yeah. And the idea of, uh, you know, and, and maybe that's because like from a, from a writing standpoint of like, no, th- like A needs to happen so that B can pay it off. Right. Yeah. Because right. Because without A, B is paying off nothing. And without B, A doesn't pay off. Right. Exactly. And so like we need these things to stay in I there. I know. I know. And uh, that's why it's hard for me to do any rewrites on any of my projects. Yeah. I'm right. Like, I, I know. It's ki- very ki- tough. I have to kill those darlings. Yeah, exactly. So, but the idea of a studio doing it just seems so mean. Yeah, just, yeah, just I, I don't know the idea of having nine to eleven writers on this project, which you know I I know having different writers on a project is not uncommon, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like the timing was bad. Yeah, and the tonal shifts were so great. Yeah, yeah, for that sure. It was so noticeable in uh, in Super Mario Brothers for sure. No, bizarre. Well, I appreciate you telling me the history, buddy. Uh, we should do a Mario Brothers movie pitch meeting. Uh, I would love to do that. Well, but, maybe we'll do it when Mario Brothers comes out. Sure. It's going to come out, so yeah. yeah, we'll do it. All right, buddy. Well, that was great. Chuck and Brad are plumbers. Yes, right. That was fun. Ray Harrington. <laughs> You're not going to believe how you fit into this. <laughs> Razor. <laughs> it's instead of bad. Put on this spiky hat wig. Um, well, folks out there, uh, we hope you learned something about uh, the Super Mario Brothers uh, tonight or about uh, our laundry habits. That's right. Equally exciting. Oh, yeah. Equally timely. Yeah. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise, send us an email, chuckandbrad at gmail.com or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. Always happy to hear from you, whether you're a first-time Chuby or you've been with us for, since the beginning. We appreciate you. Yes. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Deuces. I've never been so sick, so tired, so beaten, hopeless, torn, and different and alone. I'm ready to say, hey, God, let's go with quits. I guess this one just couldn't work out. Thank God I'll be jumped. And I'll never be the diamond that I thought I'd be before. Disappointed me so much once before. No one shop anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take a good look around. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just take a 
Just take a good look around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just take a good look around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just take a good look around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just take a good look around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just take a good look around. Whoa, whoa